0: welcome to the CEO Only Podcast, produced by Association Forum. I'm Michelle Mason, President and CEO. And today's guest is Stephen Starr, CAE, Chief Executive Officer at the Million Dollar Roundtable in Park Ridge, Illinois. Million Dollar Roundtable is the premier association of financial professionals comprising more than 66,000 members in 72 nations. He is responsible for a staff of 102 association professionals and a budget of $56 million. Stephen joined MDRT in 1990 and is now serving as the president and CEO. He has a master's degree from the University of Maryland. He is the recipient of the Association Forum's John C. Till Award as well as Inspiring Leader Award. Welcome Stephen.
1: Thank you very much for that introduction.
0: Oh, you're welcome. We're we're so excited that you are are here with us today. Our topic, Stephen, is on mindfulness and you know, we appreciate you uh being a guest panelist at the CEO only summit this December, uh December thirteenth, uh at Holiday Showcase. So for our listeners, if you want to hear more and learn and meet Stephen, you can certainly uh join us um at that event. But before we get started, Stephen, just wanna level set um our conversation around with the definition of mindfulness one of the definitions we've identified and there are several out there is that mindfulness is defined as the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something Stephen walk us through what that means to you sure absolutely
1: Uh, for me mindfulness is really about taking time to be a little more thoughtful about the things that you're doing and, and, and considering those around you, um, both personally and professionally. And I think, you know, for me, sometimes I get out ahead of myself a little bit, not ahead of others. And recently I've really made a concerted effort to try to be more aware of how, what what we're doing as an organization or, or, or what I might say or do, how that might affect other people and, and what their thoughts and concerns are. And, and just really trying to, um, keep other people in mind as well as, as I'm moving forward. But I think being more thoughtful and being more aware of others has really been something that, that I've tried to really work on because I believe it's, it's good for the organization. It's good for me. It's good for everybody involved. If leaders can slow down a little bit and be a little more thoughtful and aware of those around them, how their actions affect those and the decisions that you make, how they affect those people as well. Great.
0: You know, as a, as a leader of a, a global Uh, association, a large association, Stephen, can you help us understand what actions are you taking to to be more aware and in the present?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Particularly when it comes to working with members from all around the world, culture is a big issue, and there are some cultural norms in other countries that we need to be thoughtful about and aware of. We we make a concerted effort uh, at MDRT to to look at each culture of of where our members come from to read as much material as we can and to prepare ourselves and our leaders for when we have interactions with members from other countries about what the cultural norms are, uh, how to react around them, how to greet them, um, and, and, and really how to include them in meetings. One of the things that became very apparent to me early on at MDRT and has become more apparent as we continue to grow is particularly when you involve members on committees from other parts of the world, they aren't as inclined from some, from some cultures to actually inter, interject themselves into the conversation. Now, Americans, you know, we'll, we'll talk over people, we'll wait for our turn and jump in. And uh, in, in other cultures, they wait to be asked. They don't necessarily speak up. And so we have to understand that, involve everyone in the conversation and make sure that we're hearing from all of our members. But for me, it, it's really about just being culturally aware, educating yourself on, on, on the members that we're gonna be interacting with and dealing with and making sure that you involve them in the conversation and make them feel comfortable and and help them get the most out of their membership dues as well.
0: Great. It, it is important for us to understand and have an appreciation of cultural norms, um, and, and we often for, forget that uh, there is a difference. So uh, being mindful around those practices is, is certainly a, a core value that most organizations need to uh, to integrate into just how they do business. So when we look at mindfulness, Stephen, help us understand how it has impacted you on a personal level.
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I've, I've recently had had a health issue that uh, affected my heart, and it was it was actually last November. And uh, I have a disease called cardiac sarcoidosis. and it took a little while to, for for us to diagnose that. Um, but I back in November of last year, I actually dropped dead, and uh, my my heart just stopped beating. and it was caused by a disease called cardiac sarcoidosis, which is a very rare disease. It's an autoimmune disease which affects certain organs in your body, the heart being one of them. In uh, very rare instances, can it cause death? And so I'm mean, in this very rare group of people who have who have had this have this illness and have had it actually cause clinical death. And so from there, I ended up with uh, several trips in the hospital. Uh, I, I now have a pacemaker, and um, I've been through quite a bit of, uh, as you would imagine, a lot of medical tests, a lot of time in and out of ho- in and out of the hospital. And you know, for me, having done, having been through all of that, as I worked my way through this process. I, I, I really tried to work on mindfulness and thoughtfulness and awareness as I went through this, not only with, you know, for myself and for my family, but for my doctors and also for, for the staff here and the member leaders here at MDRT, because at, when you're the patient and you're the one that's going through something like that and others around you are watching it and experiencing it with you, they need reassurance from you. They need to know that, that everything is going to be okay. And so you have to be more thoughtful about those around you. To think about your actions and how you behave and how you let this affect you is, is how it's going to affect other people. And so they need to see someone who is strong, who's, who's getting through this, who's leading the organization, who's leading a family, that, that, that you're going to be okay and that you're strong and, and, and that you're going to still be able to provide the leadership that they expect and deserve. And so for me, it was more about worrying about those around me more, at times more than worrying about myself. Now, there were moments. Um, when I wasn't sure how this was gonna turn out that I was worried about myself. But for the most part, uh, I think for a leader, no matter what you're going through, whether it be organizational change or things happening in, in the association or things happening in your personal life, you have to always keep in mind to put other people at the forefront as well because that's what leaders do. And if you're a leader and people are watching you, you have to be conscious of how you act, the things you say and do, and how they affect those around you. And so. I've really sort of used this experience as a way for me to sort of benchmark my mindfulness and, and, and my thoughtfulness and my awareness of those around me, and try to improve on that every day as I move on. and And I think just because of the nature of what's happened to me and the nature of how MDRT is, uh, I think I've been able to do that. And, and And I think it's it's really helped me as I move through this process.
0: You see, thank you for sharing your story. and And, and we, you know, we definitely you're in our in our prayers as you go through this process we understand it's a process and 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 we appreciate you sharing the story so that other leaders can learn and grow and uh, from uh, from your experience and I think that you're spot on when you say you know you have to keep others at the forefront um, because as a leader as you go through this and as you're uh, your, your focus on being strong, you not only have to be strong for yourself, you're being strong for others. How, were there days when you just said to yourself, "I, like, you know, I just can't do this? And how did you approach that day?
1: You know, it's funny. There were never days where I said, I can't do this. Mm. Um, if you do that, it's over. Mm. And I can't do that. And so for me, even I will tell you, there was a day, um, November 19th, 2017, was a day that I was, I clinically died four times in the hospital. And I was, I, I remember it vividly. I was, I was talking to a cardiologist. He could come into my room. I had just been admitted to the hospital for uh, what what was, what turned out to be complete heart block of the, of the electrical system. And the, the cardiologist, um, Asked me a question and I remember beginning to answer it and the next thing I know I wake up and I'm they're shaking me yelling my name. I hear code blue over the loudspeaker and it's my room and there's about seven people in my room running around. Mm -hmm. And I hear them yelling we have to do this right now. We have to put a temporary pacemaker in right now. And I remember thinking um, we got to get through this. We got to manage this and I'm looking at the heart monitor. And my heart is beating at 10 beats per minute now normally you should be between probably anywhere between 70 and 100 and i was beating at 10 and i knew that if i went down again uh, i may not come back again i was in and out of consciousness several times and and i just remember battling and thinking you have to stay awake you got to stay alive and the doctor was going to do a t- put a temporary pacemaker in and i heard him asking some questions to the nurses and asking uh, for certain for certain wires and certain leads, certain things he needed to certain uh, equipment that he needed, and I remember thinking, I don't think this guy knows what he's doing, and so I stopped the whole procedure right there and I said, we're not doing this. Hmm. And I remember the doctor yelling at me, saying, "This is your life," and I looked at him and I asked probably the best question I've ever asked in my life. I said, "What are my options?" And he told me what my options were. He said, "We," he said, "Normally we go up your leg, into your heart." with a wire, and, and, and that's how we put the temporary pacemaker in. And I said, well, well, why aren't we doing that now? And he said, because it's Sunday, and there's no one in the cath lab. It'll take 30 minutes to get him here, and I don't think we have 30 minutes. And I looked at him, I looked at the nurse, and I said, keep me alive for 30 minutes and get the cath team here. And so they did. And at that point, I remember thinking, uh, there was no, no doubt in my mind, we're going to stay alive for 30 minutes. And the nurse stayed with me. And, uh, every now and then I got a little zap with the electricity from, uh, you know, from the machine to keep me alive, but my heart rate never dropped again below 30. And I was able to stay alive and, and, and get into the cath lab where they put the temporary in and then eventually put a permanent pacemaker in to keep me alive. And I remember laying there thinking, um, there's no way I'm dying. There is no way this is happening. And I said to the nurse, uh, I can't die today. Mm. I have an, I have a wife and a 14 year old. And I can't die today. And she looked at me and she said, I will not let you die. And she held my hand for 30 minutes. And I remember watching the clock and we talked about all kinds of things. And what was interesting was my heart rate actually went, went up. It got better. And they ended up getting me down to the cath lab and everything turned out fine. But there was that moment where when you, when you hear people talk about their life flashing before them, mm-hmm. um, mine wasn't flashing before me. I was focused on staying alive. And I, I was focused on what everybody in that room was doing. And you become very aware of what's going on around you, I think, if you think you're going to die. And, uh, and I did. And I was able to actually put the doctor in a position to win, which is what I felt I had to do. And I said to the nurse later, I don't think he knew what he was doing, and I had to get him in a position to win. I had to put him where he could perform the best, which was in the cath lab. I had to give him the materials he needed. Uh, he was able to use the, the equipment he was most used to in the cath lab. And if he doesn't win, I don't win. And so I had to put him in a position to win. And we hung on for 30 minutes, and uh, we were able to get it done.
0: Wow, Stephen, that's an incredible story. And you know, we just applaud you for your your strength. And you 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 share with us so many leadership lessons going through that experience. You said, you know, you asked one of the best questions ever in your life: "What are my options?" That's pretty powerful. And you were aware of what was going on around you, you put your doctor in a position to win. You gave him the materials that he needed and that that's, that's what leaders do. Can you help us understand as a result of this experience what you're doing to share with others?
1: Sure, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, what was interesting was um, you know, how this has influenced me as a leader going forward. And I, I thought a lot about that. And one of the things when I came back in November from the first time in the hospital, I ended up in the hospital actually three times. Uh, I've had three different pacemakers as we've worked through the process of figuring out, figuring out exactly what was wrong with me. Uh, and when I came back, I was very transparent and honest with our staff about my condition, about what happened. Um, even though it happened over Thanksgiving week and I was planning on being gone anyway, that week, no one really knew what happened to me. Uh, But when I came back, I wanted them to know what went on. And I told them that uh, I'm now more aware of how fleeting and precious time is. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot to get done for our members. And so uh, there's two ways that that we can do this. I can kind of roll up in a ball and and go into a shell and be nervous and concerned and worried and and be be consumed with self-pity and why me and slow down and be more conservative or we can put our foot on the gas and say, you know what, this isn't going to slow us down and we're going to get more done. And now that we realize how fleeting and precious time is and how it can be gone at any moment, we have a lot to get done for our members. And so what I decided to do was we were not going to slow down. We were going to push harder to get things done and we were going to push a little faster and we were going to do more for our members and more for each other. And we're going to achieve more than we had planned to achieve because one of the things I learned is that, um, that as you go through something like this, uh, you have to you, you figure out right away. You want to waste less time and maximize more time, mm-hmm. and you want to get the most out of life that you have left, both life for the organization and life for yourself. And so, so that's what uh, so, so, so that's what I told our staff. And I I firmly believe that staff and members want and need to see and hear a strong, healthy CEO, regardless of what's happening to you, mm-hmm. because people go back to their day to day jobs, and they need to know someone's leading the organization. Someone is is looking strategically at where we're headed someone is, is, is keeping an eye on the finances and that we have strong leadership in place and that someone's going to be here driving the driving the ship and, and they need to know that. And so I told them we're not slowing down. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to fight it the whole way. In the meantime, there are going to be days when you're not going to see me here. I'm going to be at the doctor. I'm going to be getting blood work done. There are things I'm going to have to do to keep myself healthy, but you guys just keep moving forward. You know what you have to do. And one of the things that that I've always done is empowered our staff to do their thing. I stay out of their way. Okay. I have enough to do during my day like most CEOs do. I do not micromanage people. Uh, they know what their marching orders are. They know what their KPIs are. They know what their budget is. Go do your job. And I'm fortunate to have a great staff that did that. And so all the time that I was gone in and out of the hospital and at and doctor's visits, et cetera, a ton of stuff got done. I mean, they did put the foot on the gas. They did get things done. Uh, and, you know, they did move the organization forward for our members and for each other. And that was a really great feeling. And I just recently had my, had my performance review with, with our executive committee. And as we were going through the, my KPIs and going through the results we had, they were astonished at how much got done when they really looked at all of it in, in aggregate. And I told them that it wasn't my doing. It's the fact that we have a great staff here. And the people picked up the ball and they supported me in the organization. And they said, we're not going to let this happen and we're not gonna just get in our way. We're gonna achieve all the results we need to achieve. And they did it at a very high level. And we had a record year in terms of revenue, in terms of, of attendance at meetings, in terms of membership, um, they just made it happen. And so when you surround yourself with great people, empower them to do their jobs, trust them to do their jobs. A lot of what I learned along the way, you know, have been things that I've been employing here at MDRT about letting experts do their job, put them in a position to win, right? Trust the processes you have in place and let them do their thing. And there are times when things are out of your hands, both personally with your health and professionally with work. You just trust the people around you to do their jobs, put them them in a position to win, clear the barriers away, give them the resources they need and let them succeed. And that's what happened here. And so I'm fortunate to be surrounded by great people and uh, we had a great year and now I'm feeling much, much better now and I'm, um, I'm feeling like now we got a lot more to accomplish in 2019 and beyond.
0: That was wonderful. I was gonna ask you, Stephen uh, you, you know, what are your, your final thoughts, but well, I, I think that you just gave them to us. I, um, uh, I, I believe that you do have a very strong team and, and when you empower, you trust, you believe the, the processes and, and, and the people you have in place make enduring organizations. And so are there any final thoughts that you have for us?
1: No, I just think that, you know, in terms of mindfulness to kind of go back to that, I, I think, uh, for all leaders, it's it, it's tough sometimes to keep that in mind, and it's it's tough to think about everything around you, and especially in the heat of battle, in the moment, uh, especially if things aren't going well and you have to make a decision. And but but part of what I learned along the way is not only is to be thoughtful and a little more aware of those around you and how those decisions affect people, but also to go with your gut. You know, that's what I did in the hospital when I when I thought that maybe I wasn't going to survive, um, and I decided to to really make a decision on my own is that I trusted my gut and I trusted what I felt. And sometimes you can think things to death, but I think if you're aware of others around you, more thoughtful about what's going on, go with your gut sometimes and include other people in the decision-making process, I think uh, you're gonna make good decisions.
0: Wonderful, fantastic. You know, I do have one final question, actually. What are you reading these days?
1: You know, it's funny you ask me that um, because I just started a book that was sent to me by a friend of mine. And the book is called Getting Better. Mm. And it was written by a guy named Mark Landiak, L-A-N-D-I-A-K. And it is about his journey through cardiac sarcoidosis. Mm. And uh, as I'm reading his book and relaying it to my experiences, his, he was diagnosed uh, back, in, uh, back in 2012. Uh, I was diagnosed this year. But to read what he's been through, uh, it's eerily similar to my path. And so I can relate to a lot of what he's talking about. I'm about a third of the way through the book. And it's fascinating to me um, to read that and and follow his journey. But the good news is there's a good end to his. And so I'm hoping there's a good end to mine. Uh, What happens most of the time on cardiac sarcoidosis is it goes into, is sometimes it goes away on its own, but you can put it into remission uh, with medication over time. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're pounding on it with meds and we're trying to put it into remission. So I'm reading that book and I'm fascinated by his journey because it is so similar to mine. That's more of a personal thing that I can relate to. And then the other, actually another book that I just finished not too long ago was it's called uh, Blue Ocean Shift. And that is, um, it, it, it's the follow up to Blue Ocean Strategy. Strategy okay. And the reason I read it was I, I heard a speaker at a meeting I was at earlier this year, one of the authors spoke and uh, she, she talked about the book, about the second book. So I got it because we here at MDRT are doing a lot of strategic planning. And, and so I thought this would be a great book to read. And the consultant that we brought in is one of the few people in the country who's actually accredited to teach the blue ocean methodology. And so mm-hmm. what they talk about really is to avoid the crowded, bloody red oceans of competition mm-hmm. and look to create wide open blue oceans of, of new market space through innovation and creativity. So when you compete, you, you kind of limit yourself and constrain yourself to competing with, with another organization or another product. If you create new, new oceans, innovation is, you know, sky's the limit. If you're, if you're in a new market and you're expanding um, the reach and, and, and the offerings of the organization. So we tried to focus on creating blue oceans to innovation and creativity, not necessarily staying in bloody red oceans of competition. And so we actually applied that methodology to some strategic planning. So those are just two books. One I'm reading now, one that I've read recently that I think both helped me personally
0: and then the other one professionally. Well, definitely I'll, I'll purchase Blue Ocean Shift because it's something that uh, we we need to be thinking about as associations in general. And so I think that's going to be a, a follow-up podcast. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your leadership um, at MDRT, but also in the association community. We look forward to um, our session in December at Holiday Showcase, the CEO-only Summit, where we will learn more about your journey, learn more about uh, your leadership philosophy, which definitely is resi- uh, delivering results. I also like to thank our our sponsors of this podcast today. Our partners visit Dallas, visit Phoenix, visit Seattle. We at Association Forum believe that partners make it possible. And like to thank our listening audience. Um, it is our pleasure to produce podcasts of this nature to deliver thought leadership and insights such as Stephen to you uh, so that you can learn, grow, and, and, and lead effective, enduring institutions. So with that, we will conclude our podcast and have a great day.